What is up, family? It is your boy, Brad Starks. I've dusted off the microphone. I'm ready for 2022. Are you ready for 2022? We just ended 2021. Either you were crowned a champion or you weren't. Either way, this year was friggin' crazy. Keep your head up no matter what happened. This was a wild and crazy year. If you happen to win a title, I think this year was almost 80% luck, 20% skill. So if you didn't win, don't beat yourself up. I'm here already January 5th, 2022, because if you're in Dynasty, our season starts now. Our preparation, our research, all the stuff that we have to do to be 2022 champions starts right now. While your league mates are closing up shop, taking a break from fantasy football, your boy, Brad Starks, and you are in the lab, and we are getting ready for the 2022 season. And we're going to start off by doing rookies for the next few months to prepare us for our rookie drafts. All right. I am back. I took a lot of 2021 off because the family, the girls are in school, right? Life needed Brad Starks to be a dad. And I answered the call. And my girls are in good position right now. But 2022, you are going to see more from Brad Starks. And you're going to hear more from Brad Starks in the Roto Lounge. And I am going to be front and center. And we are going to grow this brand. And we are going to grow this fantasy football platform. And we are going to win more fantasy championships in 2022. I'm ready to drink more bourbon. I'm ready to talk more fantasy football. And I'm ready to listen to more jazz music. So if you're ready to do all of those things. And you're ready to hang out with Brad Starks in the Roto Lounge. Then let's go ahead and get our first drink of 2022. And let's start talking about where we are as far as rookies from 2021 and how we move forward in 2022. So let's get a friggin' drink. All right, now, tonight, if you're, if you're new to the Roto Lounge, what I like to do is I like to pop bourbon. I like to drink bourbon. I like to talk fantasy football. Put the jazz on in the back. Let's go ahead and put the jazz music on. Kick that jazz music on now. And tonight, tonight I'm going to get on some George Remus bourbon. Now, let me explain something in 2022. Moving forward. All right. This year, if you're not a patron, if you're not part of the patron family, find me at patreon.com slash rotolounge, all right? We're going to be talking rookies. 
This year, I'm going to have a secret podcast for the Patreons called The Speakeasy, where I talk about fantasy football. I talk about bourbon. That's going to be strictly for the patrons. All right. I'm going to be releasing this podcast talking about rookies up until the season starts. Once the season starts, I'm going to close up shop for everybody except for the patrons. We're going to talk about ad drops. We're going to review dynasty teams, redraft teams, ads, all that good stuff. I'm going to help the patrons in their goal to win a fantasy championship in 2022. So if you're not a patron yet, check me out, patreon.com slash rotolounge. I have tiers as low as $2, right? You get in for two bucks. I have some $5 league or some $5 tiers. I have a $10 tier. We have a dino league. If you like fantasy football, if you like bourbon whiskey, check me out, patreon.com slash rotolounge. When the season starts, you're gonna be need to, you're gonna need to be a patron to take advantage. But until then, I'm gonna be releasing these podcasts. We'll do videos, rookie breakdowns on the Patreon. I do Telestrator videos, a lot of content on the Patreon page for rookies. So if you want to be part of that, check it out. Love to have you. But tonight, I'm getting on this George Remus bourbon. Let me tell you about this George Remus bourbon. All right, this is an MGP. And this gives me an idea for the Patreon Speakeasy podcast to do a podcast about George Remus. Because this, this motherfucker is pretty damn interesting. And this bourbon I'm about to drink is friggin' awesome. It is friggin' awesome. You can get this George Remus. Now, the one I have is a Cincinnati Bourbon Club single barrel pick at 110.5 proof. You can get this George Remus batched at 94 proof at the store for, I think, I don't know, 40 bucks or something like that. I got an Ohio pick. Uh, it was 122 proof at 65 bucks. A friend of mine brought over this Cincinnati Bourbon Club, his, and it was 110 proof. And I'm like, this is so much better than my 122 proof George Remus that I paid 65 bucks for. Um, a little more than your batch 94 proof because it's single barrel. And I kept drinking his stuff and I'm like, man, this is freaking good. Can you get more of this? So he's like, yeah, let me make a call. So he's like, yeah, I can get you a bottle for 65 bucks. It's like, give me as many bottles as you can get me of this stuff. So he got me two bottles. I've cracked this one. I'm probably about almost at half left. If you're a patron and... You want to try this, George Remus, hit me up. I'll make sure I save you a sample, and whenever I send you a package, for whatever reason, I'll make sure I throw this sample in there. 110.5 proof, George Remus. Let's pop it, let's taste it, and let's get on to some fantasy football talk for those that want to hear that. All right, we got to have a saying when we pop these corks in 2021. So it's going to be simple. We're going to talk into existence 2022 are you ready championships that's gonna be our new thing let's try to get it championships <laughs> if you have a better one let me know but we're gonna talk championships into existence this george remus let me pour this over a little ice because i know you like to hear 
the ice cube with the George Remus and the bourbon. Now, on the nose, like, so this is a, this is an MGP bourbon. It's five years old, 60% corn as bourbon should be, 36% rye. It's a high rye mash bill. On the nose, I get, I do get menthol. You, you get that rye, that spearmint, that menthol. On the nose that you get in a lot of rise but I also get like like a fluffy pancake like I don't smoke cigarettes but if I smoke menthols and you wrapped a menthol cigarette in a pancake or you ate pancakes while you smoke menthols I'd imagine that's what this smells like it's buttery I get that fluffy doughy pancake Maybe a little syrup and menthol on the nose. It's really got a good nose. Now to the mouth. I mean, this is absolutely amazing bourbon. I get like a cornbread note. I get syrup maple syrup a little oak but then the finish is like a like a cherry bomb like it just your whole mouth is just like just cherry not even a very significant kentucky hug but enough to let you know this bourbon's there and you're drinking a damn good bourbon whiskey this george remus 110.5 proof single barrel this it reminds me, if you like Russell's Reserve, uh, single barrel, or yeah, single barrel, the red label. I've gotten some store picks of the Russell Reserve, and it reminds me a lot of the Russell Reserve with the cherry, the cherry finish. Um, but it is so good. This is such a good whiskey. I don't know how the 94 proof George Remus tastes because I've never had that, but. This year in the podcast, I'm probably going to be tasting a lot of single barrels because there's so many bourbon hunters out there now that is, I don't want to wait in line anymore. I do not want to wait in line to get bourbons anymore. And I'm likely going to be trying to get just store picks, different unique bourbons. Um, so if you ever see a George Remus, now I have 122 proof George Remus and I'm debating buying a 94 proof over the counter and mixing them half and half because that would bring my proof down to 108 and this is currently at a 110 i don't know if that's going to work but i might try it because i don't even care for my 122 proof anymore it doesn't even taste nearly anything like this 110 proof this 110 proof is friggin amazing cheers fam hopefully you got something good out there tonight cheers to you let's talk about some fantasy football I got to get some more. I got to get another pour of this. Hold on. Hold on. Championships. There you go. What's What was that TJ Hujamanzada commercial? Championship. That's going to be our new thing. All right. Let's talk about rookies. We got to get into rookies for 2022. Now, we're not going to talk about any rookies for 2022 in this episode. Those are going to be individual episodes. I'm going to put stuff on Patreon. We're going to do tel uh, Telestrator where I break down the film. 
For those that are new to the Roto Lounge podcast, I have a data model where I run all the stats of their college production. I run their combine stats. I run their height, weight, speed, all that stuff. I have an analytic piece to my evaluation. And then I also have a film evaluation piece as well. So we're going to break those players down throughout this offseason leading up to the NFL draft. The last what, two years, I've been to the Combine two years, kind of get to see the guys in person. I'm, I'm, I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio, so I'm about two hours from Indy. This is the last year in Indy for the Combine, so I'm going to definitely try to make it if they have one. But I think you'll enjoy following along, talking about rookies, especially if you're part of the patient group. We do videos, Zoom chats. We'll do all kind of stuff getting us prepared for these rookie drafts. But what we're going to do on this episode is we're going to talk about the 2021 rookies, how my rankings fared compared to maybe how they ended up, and what we can expect moving forward if you have any of these rookies in your 20... Actually... What can we expect in 22 if you have any of these rookies on your rosters? All right, where should we start? Let's go ahead and start with quarterbacks. All right, for those that have followed me, I am a big, big fan of Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a big dynasty quarterback. Am I a little disappointed from his rookie season? Yes, I am. Um, But a lot of great quarterbacks didn't do good their first year yes we've been spoiled with the justin harbers and the patrick mahomes and the deshaun watsons right we've been spoiled by some of these recent rookie quarterbacks but there's been some quarterbacks that haven't really done as well as rookies so i'm not going to write off trevor lawrence just based on his rookie season the urban meyer experiment was a disaster right they drafted travis Etienne. He was injured, right? James Robinson is the starting running back. Their receivers, Visca, we expected more out of Visca. Uh, Marvin Jones, DJ Chark was hurt. You know, they brought in Tebow to play tight end. Obviously, Urban Meyer really wanted a tight end to be a big part of the offense. I don't really know what was going on in Jacksonville. But Trevor Lawrence was my number one rated quarterback. He was in a tier by himself. And I'm not ashamed of that because if we did the draft again, I don't care what Mac Jones has done. I don't care what Justin Fields has done. I don't care what Trey Lance has done. To me, Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in this class from an NFL standpoint, right? Does he have the rushing upside of a Trey Lance? No. Does he have the ceiling of a Trey Lance? Depends on if Trey Lance can put it together. But right now, I think the jury's still on Trey Lance. He's 50-50 whether he's even going to be a good professional quarterback. To me, there's no doubt Trevor Lawrence is going to be a star. This year, he he passed for 3,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Not what we wanted to see. I think I had him preseason as the, the number 12 fantasy quarterback. He's already in my top 10 dynasty quarterbacks, uh, but he finished as quarterback 25. All right. So if we're going off that, you're probably like, fucking Brad Starks knows nothing about fantasy football. He knows nothing about NFL football. Trevor Lawrence, what a bum. Listen, be patient with Trevor Lawrence. We'll see who Jacksonville's coach is going to be. We'll see how they surround him. He needs some offensive linemen. He needs some playmakers. 
Give Trevor Lawrence some time. He's still my quarterback one in this class, but he finished as quarterback 25, which is second in this class to Mac Jones. All right. Number two quarterbacks, tier two. I had Justin Fields in the second tier. Justin Fields has the rushing upside. Justin Fields needs more coaching, in my opinion. He has all the talent in the world. I think he's going to be a top 10 dynasty quarterback. He finished as quarterback 31 this year. Matt Nagy, not sure what's going on in Chicago. Similar to what Trevor Lawrence was dealing with in Jacksonville. The coaching staff's terrible. Darnell Mooney looked pretty decent. Allen Robinson Robinson didn't show up this year. Uh, Justin Fields finished with 1,800 yards, 7 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. But the future's bright for Justin Fields. If you can get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields cheap, I would get them now while you can. Uh, I was all over them as rookies. And you can probably get them for even less now than what they cost as rookies. Number three, uh, in my tier three, I had Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. Again, I don't know what's going on with Trey Lance. He's a young kid. Uh, he he didn't play a lot of, against a lot of competition. Uh, when we broke down the film for the Patriots, I wasn't really happy with the way he read defenses. And obviously, the defenses that... You know, North Dakota State are not the same defense that you're going to see in the NFL. However, he has that rushing upside. He has a very high ceiling. He was my number three quarterback after the draft because San Francisco moved up to take him. I really don't know if San Francisco wanted him. After all that has taken place, the Mac Jones rumors, the fact that Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to start Trey Lance. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but Trey Lance finally got a start last week. He got injured. He's out for two weeks. We can pretend or not even pretend, but we can state that he has a high ceiling if he puts it all together, but he's got to put it all together. Uh, so right now to me, the jury's still on Trey Lance, whether he's going to be an NFL quarterback, the ceiling is very, very high for Trey Lance. I have him in some super, super flex leagues, um, where, I didn't get, uh, you know, my guys, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. So I'm hoping that he pans out. The jury's still out. His one start last week, he had 249 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, 31 rushing yards. But he also got injured. Like I said, he's out for two weeks. Now Jimmy G is going to be back starting. So if he can put it all together, if Kyle Shanahan can, can get that team in order, fantasy-wise, Trey Lance can be a stud all right if you have him be excited hold on to him would i go out and trade for him depends on what i'm giving but again i'd rather have lawrence i'd rather have justin fields even though they didn't have a great rookie season i think long term those two are going to be much better fantasy players for us uh zach wilson's number four zach wilson has been up and down all season the last game against the bucks he really looked good he really looked like he put it all together um, so I think Zach Wilson is going to be a decent quarterback moving forward. And then in my last tier, I had Mac Jones, who right now, Mac Jones, I, I, I kind of clowned him. I was like, there's no way Mac Jones is going to get a rookie of the year. Um, and I think up until Chase's last game where he had three touchdowns, Jamar Chase, uh, I think Mac Jones was probably leading uh, rookie of the year. But now I think Jamar Chase has probably passed him for that honor because he passed Justin Jefferson's rookie record. Justin Jefferson was pissed off last year that he didn't get rookie of the year. 
I think Justin Herbert got it. So I think Jamar Chase is going to be this year's Rookie of the Year. Uh, but if it wasn't for that last game where he passed Justin Jefferson, I think Mac Jones would have got Rookie of the Year. He had 3,500 passing yards this year, 21 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. I just don't think he's going to be that electric fantasy quarterback that you want on your team, right? He finished as quarterback 17 this year, but I just don't see that ceiling, right? You know, Brady didn't really have very many high ceiling seasons unless he was surrounded by elite talent when he had Randy Moss, right? The year Gronk had a tremendous season this year with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. Mac Jones needs years with players like that to really be in the top five, six of fantasy quarterbacks. After Mac Jones, I had Davis Mills for Houston. Finished as quarterback 30. Showed some potential upside. You know, I think that I, I took him in some drafts and some super super flex leagues. I can't even talk. I've drank so much of this Remus bourbon. I can't even freaking talk. So if you're new to the podcast, if you're new listening to me and, you, and you've made it this far, just know I probably will stutter through my words, mix up some words, say some wrong things. But that's a day in the life of Brad Starks in the Rota Lounge. We're just having fun. We're just drinking some bourbon. We are just doing what we love to do. So bear with me if I get my words mixed up. Davis Mills, right? Davis Mills for Houston. He's got potential. I think he goes in next year. And I think that Houston gives him a chance to start. Do I think he's long term? No. I don't think he's long-term. I think he'd be a good bi-week starter here and there. I mean, you can't get him now probably, but if you were lucky enough to get him, hold on to him. Maybe if he has a good season or a good game or two and someone wants to trade you, jump on it. Absolutely jump on it. All right, well, that's it for quarterbacks. Let's go ahead and jump into running backs real quick. Then we'll get into tight ends, and then we'll finish it off with wide receivers. How about that? All right, so... Running backs, number one, tier by himself, I had Najee Harris. A lot of people were hating on Najee Harris. A lot of people love Javante Williams. To me, Najee Harris was, originally I had Jonathan Taylor as my number one running back in 2020. I, I had Cam Akers as my number two running back in 2020. When I thought that Najee was coming out, I had Najee at number three. I think Najee's a really, really elite running back. The only knock on Najee right now is his age. By the time his rookie deal's over with, he's going to be like 26 or he's going to be old. But Najee had 1,172 yards rushing this year and seven touchdowns. He had 70 catches, 440 yards, and three touchdowns on a Pittsburgh team that had a terrible, terrible offensive line. He finished as the number three fantasy back in fantasy football. And people are still sleeping on him. People are still like, 
well, Javante Williams is better. I, no, Javante Williams is not better. Javante Williams did absolutely tremendous splitting time with Melvin Gordon. But the thing is here is that Najee has proven he can be a bell cow. Javante's dinged up a little bit. He's he's been he's been rotating. He hasn't been the full-time starter. Najee has been a bell cow all season long. Finished as the number three fantasy back this year. Najee is going to be really, really good for the next two, three, maybe four seasons. And then he's probably going to fall off. If you got Najee, ride him for the next two seasons. Sell him when he's at his peak. Right? When people don't realize age is going to affect him. Probably his third season. Let's try to get a championship with Najee on a roster. And then after his third season, let's try to sell him. But right now, Najee was my number one preseason rookie back. And he's still number one. All right. Number two is Travis Etienne. I didn't really care for Travis Etienne. But I wasn't really excited about this running back class anyways. So to me, Najee was in a tier by himself. Everybody else was below him. Obviously, if I do it again, I'm going to rate Javante Williams a little bit higher because Javante Williams has looked the part when he's played this season. He has absolutely looked the part. Uh, so I would definitely rank Javante Williams higher. In hindsight, I didn't have him very high as a rookie, and we'll talk about that when I get there. But if I were to do this class over again, and there are some people that had Najee 1, Javante 2, and, and good for them. Good for them. Some people may have had Javante 1, Najee 2. Good for them. Good for them. But your boy here had Travis Etienne number 2. And I'm not even a big fan of Travis Etienne. I didn't even think he was going to be. I don't think he's going to be a good NFL pro. It's unfortunate that he got injured. But I don't think he's got. I think he maybe have some good games. I don't think he's going to be that consistent player that we see in Najee Harris. So if you have Travis Etienne, you obviously you can't sell him now. His, his his stock price is not at a point where you should sell unless someone really thinks they're getting a good deal, offers you a 2023 first-round pick. You clearly jump on those. Anytime you get a 2023 first-round pick because that's going to be the year of the running back, jump on 2023 first-round picks if you can. Number three in my tier three, and I had Trey Sermon. All right. What a mistake. Trey Sermon, I think, eventually is just going to be a bust. He's not going to probably pan out in the NFL. Obviously, he could not beat out Jeff Wilson. He couldn't beat out Elijah Mitchell. Uh, I think Trey Sermon is going to be a bust. Um, you know, I got excited just like everybody else when San Francisco moved up to get Trey Sermon. You watch his tape. He looked good. I know there's some evaluators out there that had Trey Sermon as RB1. Same evaluator that had Hakeem Butler wide receiver 1. Um, so at this point... I think you probably uh, don't want to take that advice. And I'm not mentioning any names, but those are two huge misses. Um, especially if you're listening to someone for advice in your dynasty league and you're taking Hakeem Butler number one and Trey Sermon number one at their position. But anyways, we're not here to talk about other people because you know what? They're grinding. They're doing their thing. Good for them. But be careful who you listen to, especially if they're if they're calling out players like that that are just way, way, way off. I was wrong. I had Trey Sermon number three. That was a miss. Number four, I had Javante Williams. And my knock on Javante Williams, and again, I have an analytical data model, and I have film review, 
he split time. He split time with Michael Carter. I didn't think Michael Carter was a very good running back, so for Javante to split time with him, I didn't think he could be a full-time NFL running back. All right. And I have not been proven wrong yet. Right? He rotated with Melvin Gordon just like he rotated with Michael Carter at UNC. So basically, he had another season like he had at UNC. A great season. He looked great. Can he do it as an every down back as a bell cow? That is to be determined. All right. If you love Javante Williams, I'm not going to tell you not to love Javante Williams. <clears throat> but if you have questions about the Javante Williams, like I have questions, I'm also not going to doubt you because it's hard to be a full-time running back in the NFL. It's hard to take the beating day in and day out. You look at studs like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. The beating is affecting these guys. So as, as good as Javante Williams has looked in his limited role of splitting carries with Melvin Gordon, he has not done it every single down like a Derrick Henry like a Najee Harris, like a Jonathan Taylor. He hasn't done it yet. So now, if I were to re-rank, obviously I would rank him above ETN and Sermon. I missed there. Clearly I missed there. He's clearly the best, the second best back in this class. But I'm not putting him number one. I'm not putting him over Najee yet. I think Najee's the real deal. Najee's going to be a bell cow for the next few years, receiving back, running back. He is in my opinion, elite. Next up, I had Chuba. Chuba Hubbard. Before the draft started, I have Chuba Hubbard as my number two back in this class. Right? Before we knew landing spots, I had Najee one. I had Chuba two. I had ETN three. Sermon four. Javante five. That's how I ranked them based on their talent. Landing spots changed things up a little bit. Chuba dropped all the way down to five because he was drafted to be Christian McCaffrey's backup. But believe it or not, Chuba Hubbard scored three less points than Christian McCaffrey this year. Three less points. So if you missed on Christian McCaffrey in your fantasy drafts in the first round and you took Chuba in your last round, you basically lost three points from the running back position. That is crazy. Now, to me, Chuba has all the talent in the world. He ran the combine injured. He's got track speed. I think he's got vision. I think he's got balance. I think he has everything that you need for the NFL. I don't think he was ready as a rookie. I think it's going to take him a few years. I think what we're going to find is in a few years when Chuba gets an opportunity, he's really going to be an impact player in fantasy. So if you have Chuba, keep him. Do not sell low. Only sell if you get something that's really going to help you put over the top. But I think down the line, Chuba is going to be an impactful player in fantasy football. Time will tell. We'll see. But I really do like Chuba Hubbard. He had 564 yards this year, five touchdowns, 23 receptions, 166 yards. But again, rotating off injured Christian McCaffrey. I think it's going to take him some time. But I think down the line, Chuba is going to be an impa impactful fantasy football player for us. If you have them, you should be excited. There were there was drafts when I had fantasy drafts, and I think I was in the third round. 
and I was debating between Chuba and Amon Ross St. Brown and Diami Brown, and we'll get into our wide receivers. Those are the guys that I really liked. Some some drafts I got Diami, some drafts I got Amon Ross St. Brown, some drafts I got Chuba Hubbard. Depending on what my team needed, cheers. I drafted those players. So I do have Chuba in some leagues. Diami in some leagues. Amon Ross St. Brown in some leagues. Because it's based on our rankings. And stay tuned to the Roto Lounge because we are going to provide those rankings. And we are going to help you secure the best draft class. Because you know what? You have a very, very, very small window to improve your dynasty team. A very, very small window to improve your dynasty team. The rookie draft is the key opportunity to improve. Buying low when you have opportunities to buy low is another key opportunity to improve your team. But we have to focus on these rookie drafts. We have to hit our picks so that we can put ourselves in a position to win fantasy titles. So stay tuned here to the Road Lounge because I'm going to put you in position to get those players at the right draft positions. All right, let's talk about tight ends real quick. Kyle Pitts. Everybody loved Kyle Pitts. People were drafting Kyle Pitts super early. If you have Kyle Pitts, awesome. If you have him, great. He had a terrific, a terrific season. Finished as tight end five as a 21-year-old rookie. 66 catches, 1,018 yards, and one measly touchdown. All right. You can't knock what Kyle Pitts did as a rookie. Do I think Kyle Pitts is good? Absolutely. Kyle Pitts is a very, very good player. Was I supporting us taking Kyle Pitts early in drafts? No, hell no. You don't take a tight end that early. I don't care who it is, okay? Your boy, Brad Starks, identified Jimmy Graham as a gem in fantasy drafts years and years ago. Nobody knew who he was. That man changed the game. That man single-handedly won championships. A 6'7", 260-pound basketball player who could outjump everybody, outrun everybody. The epitome of a game-changing tight end. But you still don't draft him in the top of your rookie drafts because he's a tight end. You just don't do it. I don't care how in love you are with a player. You just don't draft tight ends that early because the failure rate of tight ends is so large that you're putting yourself as a, at a disadvantage. People were drafting Kyle Pitts over Jamar Chase. Drafting Kyle Pitts over Devonta Smith. Drafting Kyle Pitts, dare I say, over Najee Harris. I mean, looking back, that is a bad process. Because one, you can easily get a player like Pat Fryermuth around later. 
2022 class is going to have some tight ends. 2023 class, you're going to have some studs coming out in 2023. The tight end position is not that valuable to pass up on a stud running back or a stud wide receiver in your drafts. Now, Kyle Pitts is 21 years old. He's got a lot of work to do, right? I've done a lot of research. In order to be a really elite tight end, you've got to be on the field at all times. You've got to be on the field 85, 90% snap share. You've got to be able to block because the offensive coordinator can create opportunities for you to get off blocks and become a wide receiver and have a mismatch. Gronkowski does it to a T. You watch him. If you watch the Buccaneers and you watch Rob Gronkowski, he blocks, 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 blocks. And then he fake blocks, slips out, gains 30 yards. I mean, that is the ideal fantasy tight end because he's going to get opportunity. He's a stud. Now, Evan Ingram is the best player that I can compare Kyle Pitts to. He had a great rookie season. Wasn't a very good blocker. Just just mismatched everybody with his speed and his strength. And then he fell off. Kyle Pitts, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to develop blocking skills. I think he's going to develop into a good tight end. If you have him, you should be excited. But I don't think Kyle Pitts is the end-all, be-all at tight end. I think we're going to be fine fine getting other tight ends. I mean, look at Dalton Schultz finish as tight end four. Nobody even fucking drafted that guy in his rookie drafts. You can't draft a tight end that early over potential Hall of Fame type wide receivers type running back. You just can't do it. If you did it, All right, Kyle Pitts had two games over 100 yards, I think. The rest were like 50, 60, 70 yards. He had one touchdown. He's going to get better. He's going to get better. But he's got to develop into a tight end. Number two, I had Pat Fryermuth. I'd much rather have Pat Fryermuth than Kyle Pitts, only because of the cost. I was in rookie drafts where I traded like a mid-round first for a late first and an early second. I was able to pick up players like Rashad Bateman at the end of the first, Pat Fryermuth at the beginning of the second. I was able to secure a tight end as well as a receiver to help put my dynasty team in position to succeed because of depth, right? Pat Fryermuth ended up as tight end 14. Obviously, you know, it's nine slots lower than Kyle Pitts. Didn't cost near the draft capital right played only pretty much half the season once eric ebron was hurt they realized how good pat fryermuth was finished the season 54 receptions 444 yards and seven touchdowns and the touchdowns really carried him he's not the elite athlete that kyle pitts is all right but we want to score fantasy points george kittle is a great athlete he's not a kyle pitts athlete TJ Hawkinson is not a Kyle Pitts athlete. None of the top tight ends, Dalton Schultz, Mark Andrews, these are not Kyle Pitts type athletes. But they're still top five tight ends. 
So enough about, I'm not bashing Kyle Pitts. He's a great player. He's going to be good. If you can get Kyle Pitts, get Kyle Pitts. You've already drafted him. Great. I'm going to help you build around Kyle Pitts. If you got Pat Fryermuth, I'm going to help you build around Pat Fryermuth. You're in good shape if you have either one of those tight ends. I promise you. All right. Let's get to wide receivers, and we will wrap this podcast up. Appreciate you joining me. Let's run through these wide receivers. All right. An analytical model predicts top five, top 12, top 24 ceilings for my wide receivers. Last year had Justin Jefferson as the only wide receiver that could hit top five. I recommended all of my followers to take Justin Jefferson into the first round. Jerry, Judy, CeeDee Lamb were top 12 type wide receivers. I don't even think they've even hit that ceiling yet. Justin Jefferson hit the ceiling this year. Uh, He was wide receiver four. Last year, he was wide receiver seven. This year, he was wide receiver four. He hit that ceiling as my analytical model projected. So I'm happy about that. It means we're on the right path, okay? This year, my model projected Rashad Bateman to be the only top five wide receiver in this class. Now, it was wrong. It was wrong because, you know what? Jamar Chase, it projected him to have a top 12 fantasy football ceiling. The knocks on Jamar Chase from the model, his arms were too short. And he didn't have enough college games to really project what he could do. All right. And I'm not going to argue with my model. I'm just going to spit out what it says based on past performance. Jamar Chase finished as wide receiver five. Far exceed expectations. I also like to dive into their personal side. So I knocked Jamar Chase for sitting out the season. I knocked Jamar Chase for a lot of things that I researched about him. In the preseason, reports came out. He got this Instagram model pregnant. He was beating her. He was dropping passes. I mean, it was like shaping up to be like, damn, like you hit this on the nail, the head of the nail. You hit it. But your boy came out and just fucking dominated. Dominated. We'll get into him in a minute. But right now, Rashad Bateman had as the only one projected as a top five. Now, because it was wrong and Jamar Chase finished top five and it only had him as a 12, my model is going to change a little bit. It's going to account for some of the things Jamar Chase did in college, what it eliminated him for will now allow other receivers to hit the criteria if they hit what he hit in college. The arm length will now change. Jamar Chase's speed is huge for him. He's definitely a deep threat. He has had some trouble across the middle with getting separation, but when Burrow gives him the ball, your boy can make plays, all right? I advise the Patriots, if you're in a good position to take Jamar Chase, take him. If you can trade out, add all these other picks, get guys like Rashad Bateman, get guys like Pat Fryermuth, get guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, get guys like Deami Brown, Chuba Hubbard, guys later in your drafts that you can build depth around. Take those picks, 
try to add two for one, three for one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There were some leagues where I was not able to trade. Uh, I got Jamar Chase in the league at number six overall. Kyle Pitts went number five. I'm sure that owner might be kicking himself right now because Jamar Chase has turned out to be a stud this year uh, and actually helped me win a fantasy title in that league. So there's opportunity. You want to take these players at the right time. Rashad Bateman was my number one wide receiver. He finished the season. He had that core injury early on. Finished the year, 44 catches, 450 yards, and a touchdown. There's no doubting the talent of Rashad Bateman. I'm, I'm kind of worried about Lamar Jackson and passing. Clearly, Jamar Chase in that offense with Joe Burrow is electric, right? Pre-draft, pre-draft, I had Jamar Chase as number three behind Devonta Smith. Post-draft, I had Jamar Chase as my number two wide receiver in the class because he went to Joe Burrow. I figured they were going to... That was the best-case scenario, Jamar Chase going to Joe Burrow because they had that relationship. Zach Taylor likes to pass. I mean, it was the absolute perfect scenario for Jamar Chase to go to the Bengals. And I mentioned this to the Patriots. But the model in the film on Rashad Bateman, I just had him as a better all-around player. I thought he was going to be the better NFL pro. Who knows what happens? We'll see what Jamar Chase does this offseason. We'll see if my research on his off-the-field issues do anything in the offseason. Or maybe he's going to try to get better and he's going to prove me wrong. Jamar Chase was my number two wide receiver after the NFL draft. He had 79 catches, 1,429 yards, which passed Justin Jefferson as the most yards as a rookie. End up with 13 touchdowns. Pretty freaking incredible. The difference between Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson is that Jamar Chase would have costed you an early draft pick. It would have costed you a top five, top six draft pick in your rookie drafts, while Justin Jefferson would have draft would have cost you a late draft pick, right? We were getting Justin Jefferson in pick 10, pick 11, pick 12. Hell, some leagues I got just Justin Jefferson in, in round two, pick one. So that's the difference between Jefferson and Chase. They're both elite on the field. They are both elite. I mean, Dynasty, you're talking about Justin Jefferson to me is probably one. Jamar Chase is probably two or three. He's He's got to be up there with Justin Jefferson. As far as long as he's as long as nothing happens in the offseason and we're good, J Jamar Chase elite elite on the field production number three i have devonta smith pre-draft i had him number two once he did the combine everything his bmi kind of lowered him but the film he was just so good on film i could not drop him any lower than three i felt like he was going to be a stud in the nfl finished as wide receiver 31 61 catches 875 yards five touchdowns I think he's going to be a good NFL player. You know, it's discouraging to see he had like the big elbow brace, the knee brace. So, you know, he's taken this abuse. How long can he last? I don't know. But on the field, the dude is amazing. He's a great player. He's going to be good. If you have him, be excited. If you can get him for cheap, get him for cheap. Number four, I had De'Ami Brown. Uh, he was also number four pre-draft and post-draft. 
Obviously, he did not perform this season. Him and Terrace Marshall were the busts, I guess, of this class. I was not high on Terrace Marshall. I know some people had Terrace Marshall as their number one wide receiver. Some had him as number two. Some had him over Jamar Chase. Um, I did not have him very high, but I had Diami very high, and he didn't perform. So we're going to look forward to next year and see if they can perform next year if he can't then perhaps that was a miss on our end. But Jami Brown had 12 catches, 165 yards, zero touchdowns. If you got him, you got to hold. If you don't have him and you can get him cheap, I would go ahead and get him cheap because he did score high in the data model. Um, if you can get him cheap, uh, less than what you would have had to pay last year. So you're talking about if you get him for a 2022 third round pick, uh, I'd probably try to get that deal done and just sit on him and see if uh, if he progresses. Next up, I had Elijah Moore. Uh, he was my number five post-draft, number six pre-draft. Uh, obviously, draft capital helped. I did like Elijah Moore. Uh, I think his best-case scenario is becoming T.Y. Hilton. Worst-case scenario is becoming a short, undersized, wide receiver that that can't really become a reliable nfl target did pretty decent finished as wide receiver 46 11 games 43 catches 533 yards five touchdowns um you know I, i'm not actively going out to get him and i really don't have any shares of him if you have shares i probably sit tight maybe he develops but again i i still think he's his size could affect his performance, injuries, coverages, stuff like that. So while he does look electric periodically, can he be that consistent wide receiver that we want to see? Next up, I had uh, Terrace Marshall. He was my 10th wide receiver pre-draft. Once he was drafted early by Carolina, I had moved him up to number six. Um, I don't know if that was a Joe Brady pick, if that was a Matt Rule pick, but obviously Joe Brady was fired. Part of the reason he was fired could have been because he recommended getting Terrace Marshall, and Terrace Marshall just has not developed into the NFL wide receiver that they were hoping he would be. He was a healthy scratch to end the season. Uh, Shai Smith was actually getting playing time over him. Which is not good. Not good. He could become the next Hakeem Butler. People had him as wide receiver one and just could end up being a bust. He could be a Denzel Mim type player. Um, time will tell. I don't have any Terrace Marshall shares. If you have them, the best thing you can do is hold. Um, I didn't recommend him. I, I thought he was overrated. Uh, but... It is what it is. If you have him, you have to sit tight unless you get a good offer for him. Uh, we'll see if he ever develops. Carolina re-signed Robbie Anderson long-term. Uh, DJ Moore is there, obviously. So the future doesn't look bright for Terrace Marshall, but maybe he can put it all together uh, in Season 2. My seventh wide receiver, Jalen Waddle. He was my seventh pre-draft, seventh post-draft. It appears that I got this one wrong. 99 receptions, 988 yards, five touchdowns, seventh, or excuse me, 15th wide receiver overall in fantasy. My analytical model had him as a top 24 ceiling. So I have to go back and adjust. 
because you know what? He didn't have the dominator rating that he needed to have. He had an, he was an old receiver when he hit that dominator rating. Some other metrics that affected him. We'll go back. We'll adjust. We'll get better. But Tua Tagovailoa. Let's talk about Tua Tagovailoa. The knock on Tua Tagovailoa as a rookie, and I and I was not advising drafting Tua. 60-plus percent of his passes were the first reads at Alabama. He clearly went with the first read when they got open. I think you see similar stuff happening in Miami. I think he's targeting Jalen Waddell. If Miami gets a good running back, if Miami gets a good tight end, if Miami gets another wide receiver that could become an alpha, I don't know what Jalen Waddell could be. To me, he's Jarvis Landry. I know some people love Jalen Waddle. I don't necessarily love Jalen Waddle. I think he had a terrific season. He finished as wide receiver 15. I mean, you cannot knock that. But I'm not actively going after Jalen Waddle. I don't have any shares of him. I just don't know if long-term he is going to be that consistent player that we want. If you have him, great. I know you're excited. Don't let me discourage you if you have him because he tr- he performed admirably this year. Terrific. But, again, I'm not sold long-term on Jalen Waddle. They'll have to prove me wrong. But right now he was my seventh wide receiver. Obviously, I'd have him ranked probably four. Bateman, Chase, Smith, Waddle would have been the top four. Have him over Deami. Have him over Elijah Moore. Have him over Terrace Marshall. Uh, but we'll see what year two brings. We'll see what year two brings. My next receiver, Rondale Moore. Pre-draft, I had him at 11. I didn't think he was a very good prospect based on my analytical model and the film. Based on his draft position, he moved up to eight for me. Arizona spent a second-round pick on him. What a waste. I think he is a situational player. I don't think he's going to be consistent. I think Cliff Kingsbury has proven that he cannot evaluate wide receivers taking Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, whether you love him or you don't love him. I don't think Cliff drafted him, actually. But uh, the best receiver they have is Hopkins, who they traded for. So I think Rondell is a gadget player. I don't think he's ever going to be a consistent fantasy player. I do not have him in any leagues. I do not want him in any leagues. Um... I know he's hyped, but I don't think he is going to be a consistent fantasy football contributor for us, so I don't want him. All right, he finished with 54 receptions, 435 yards, and a touchdown. Again, I think he's a gadget player, the 62nd fantasy wide receiver this year. Now, number nine, post-draft, I had Amon Ross St. Brown. Pre-draft, I had him at number five. The model liked him. Film looked good. Why he fell to the fourth round. Part of my analytical model is you got to be drafted before the third round to really have that almost guaranteed impact. Most receivers drafted after round three don't pen on the NFL. But I've talked to the patrons a lot. I said, you know, if there's going to be an outlier, it's going to be Amon Ross St. Brown. Stephon Diggs was an outlier. He was drafted in the fifth round, even though the model loved him. Donovan Peoples-Jones, the model liked him. 
didn't love him and liked him. He was drafted outside round three. These are five-star high school athletes that produced at the college level. Amon Ross St. Brown was no different. He was my number five wide receiver pre-draft. Once he fell to the fourth round, I had no choice but to drop him based on the history of the position. I dropped him to wide receiver nine in this class, but I have a lot of shares of him because he fell in drafts and he was a great value and he was someone that I was targeting. And I advise that you target Amon Ross St. Brown, probably the best value in fantasy drafts besides Diami Brown, who I also liked. Finished as wide receiver 25, right? The model projected him to have a top 24 ceiling. So maybe he's already hit his ceiling. I don't know. But he had 82 receptions, 803 yards, and four touchdowns, right? Detroit, halfway through the season, said, you know what? We are going to give Amon Ross St. Brown a chance to become the alpha on this offense. We want to see what he can do. The coaches said they remind him of Heinz Ward. Very, very similar build uh, metrics to Heinz Ward. Uh, Heinz Ward wasn't, you know, a, an elite fantasy player. He was just a consistent NFL pro. Um, we'll see if Amon Ross St. Brown can continue that. I do like him if you have him. I mean, unless you're getting, like, elite return, there's no reason to sell him right now. He's proven that he can be... Um, a consistent player you don't score multiple touchdowns in multiple weeks at the nfl level if you're not a good nfl player all right that's just not a fluke i don't care if there's nobody around you there's a lot of teams where there's nobody around these players and you don't see them scoring multiple touchdowns in multiple weeks and putting up 100 plus yards rushing touchdowns 35 fantasy points that just doesn't happen, okay? He is a good player. If you have him, be happy. Let's build around him. He can be a depth piece for us. He can be a bi-week fill-in for us. Unless you get an exceptional offer for him, I would hold tight. In number 10, I have Kadaris Toney. Uh, Pre-draft, he was my number 12 wide receiver. I didn't really care for his film and his analytics. But because the Giants drafted him in round one, I moved him up to wide receiver 10. He finished this year with 39 receptions, 420 yards, zero touchdowns, showed some potential, showed some potential, had some injuries, lingering injuries. Um, now, could that be consistent for him? I don't know, but this is the Giants. The Giants are terrible. So I don't really want Kadarius Tony. All right, there you have it. If you, if you stayed with me for the entire episode, I appreciate you. We're going to have more of these episodes. We're going to get into rookies. We're going to start talking about rookie wide receivers, rookie running backs, tight ends, quarterbacks. Get you ready for your rookie drafts. Listen, I can't tell you enough. Check me out. Patreon.com backslash Roto Lounge. Check it out. As little as $2 a month. You get all the insight. $5 a month. We got the secret podcast. All types of stuff. Going to help you win your fantasy championships. I'm going to be trying to show my face more. YouTube, live streams, put out more podcasts, really get the Roto Lounge brand out there. Please like the podcast, leave a review, tell your friends, post it on Twitter, post it on social media, help your boy out, get some follows, get some listeners. Let's grow this brand. 
Let's help you win championships in 2022. All right. Appreciate you hanging out with me tonight. We're drinking this George Remus MGP 110 proof bourbon. I absolutely love it. Hopefully you enjoyed your drink tonight. Until next time, family. Until next time. This has been your boy Brad Starks in the Roto Lounge. Drinking some bourbon. Listening to some jazz music. Talking some fantasy football. Till next time. Cheers. Cheers.